0: Be sure to join our Facebook group, Asset Management Mastery, where we have a great community of thousands of like-minded individuals sharing resources and best practices.
1: Choosing the right insurance coverage for multifamily properties isn't that complicated if you know who to talk to. At the Garzella Group, we're uniquely qualified to help you navigate the range of policy choices you have, and we're committed to saving you 30% in the process. We do intensive market research and have nationwide relationships so we can find coverage other insurance brokers simply can't. We should talk. Go to Quotenow.biz and we'll start the conversation.
0: Today on the podcast, I have Quentin D'Souza. Quentin has over $80 million in assets under management across Canada and the U.S. and has transacted over 80 properties since 2004 and is the author of four real estate books. Welcome, Quinn. Can you start by telling the listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you do?
1: yeah I, and I just wanted to say like I can't believe you actually do the beginning part of that podcast every single time that's so awesome <laughs> all right uh yeah I mean uh, I've been investing since two thousand and four. I've really started getting involved in multifamily buildings in two thousand and fifteen. I was uh a teacher in the public school system i uh, got my financial freedom two thousand and fourteen I got a little ring to remind me of that and I started to realize that when I got out of the teaching profession, I ended up working twice as hard because I was flipping properties and doing so many other things. And then once I figured out, I gave up a job to have three jobs, I was like, okay, I got to do this differently. So I started to raise funds into apartment buildings, I was raising funds in one to four units, and they were great for cash flow. But I wasn't getting, uh, you know, those net worth jumps. So that's how I really focused on apartment buildings. And haven't lo- looked back since been growing closed uh, 202 units, this seven apartment buildings this uh, summer, another 20 and just keep going and going. I've got 110 and 14 or 17 and 24 closing in this quarter 2022. So just continuing to grow in into this and really enjoy it. I love it. When people ask me you know, if I've ever, if I'm ever gonna stop or retire, I told them I I, I did that in 2014. <laughs> I enjoy what I do right now. It's awesome. I love it.
0: I love it. I could I, I feel the energy. And when we met at the Jake and Gino conference, I mean, you're, you know, when you when you when you meet people in real estate, you know, and they've gone, you know, they've been in it in a few years, the love for it, their energy for it is is, is great. It's very contagious.
1: Oh, thanks. Yeah, I I think so too. I think and it's great to to be in that type of environment and where you just relax and you run into so many different people. Especially with the podcast, you know, like you're a lot of people. It's uh, it's an honor to meet you when when they do because they only hear you right, and uh, it's it's pretty cool to to get that sort of uh, networking experience in person. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So today we're going to talk about repositioning buildings in a rent controlled environment. I know a lot of investors like to stay away from, from these locations, but that means more opportunities for you. And you know, so I, I know you focus on that. So talk, talk about your typical business plan for, for those types of properties.
1: So in Ontario, where I focus on most of my acquisitions, we have rent control. And rent control in Ontario is that, for example, this year, we can only raise rents 1.2%. Even though we've had all of that inflation, that's what a rent control environment is. But we are decontrolled when it comes to when we turn over a unit. So we're allowed to bring the unit up to market rent at that point. And that helps us tremendously because that's how we are able to solve a problem for for us and able to get huge increases in the NOI. And and that's really what I'm doing, right? I'm like, I look at a building, I look at where the rents are and where I, I know I can take them. And then when I see, for example, a rent at 900 and I know I can bring it up to 1400, that $500 is, It's a lot, especially when it's like a, let's say it's a four and a half cap building, you know, multiply 500 by 12. Divide by four and a half cap. That's like several hundred thousand dollar lift in value. And if I if I have a twenty unit building and maybe I do it out of six units, six you know times five. That's that's huge, right? That's huge value lifts in in uh, buildings. And that's why I like it. Also because people don't like it. And uh, <laughs> and you know what? I find that when it's a challenge and I can solve problems that other people can't solve, I can make money where other people won't make money. And I've specialized in this. I've been doing it for a long time in this market so I've been able to get results that have worked for for me. You know, I do uh, typically, the three to five-year process of refinancing the building, paying the investors back, but we keep our investors in our projects. They continue to own it, and then they'll usually reinvest into the next project with us. So that's that's how we do it up here. It's very different, I know, because I've been involved in with a lot in the US, and I can see how it's done down there, and, and a lot of times, because of the 1031 exchange and the way that you're able to reduce your tax burden, you I find that American projects tend to turn over more. So like in the three to five year mark, once they've achieved their business plan, they'll often sell the asset and then move on to another asset. Whereas up here, we don't have the 1031 exchange. Taxes are pretty onerous. So what we'll do is we'll refinance to pull the funds out and then go into another project and keep that project uh, uh, behind. I think that if you do see some tax changes in the US, I, I'm, I'm going to guess that you're going to see less of that turnover between, you know, the time when a business has, or, or an apartment building has achieved its business goal and selling it. I think you're going to see people are going to want to hold on to it more. But, you know, I, I, that's just a guess anyways, because that's what happens with us here, right? Because we don't have those type of, Tax advantages and the the same sort of you know exchange that of exchange of property.
0: I love that you said uh, you're willing to solve problems other people aren't, and and that's something I look for too. And and that's a great differentiator because you you have a lot less competition. You can you can buy things a little bit less uh, expensive. So I mean that that's that's fantastic. And you're mentioning time frame here in the U.S. Deals are are. These days, because of, of where the market has gone, I mean, we sold two properties in, in under two years recently, and, and I think investors, their mindset has been shorter and shorter of late where, yes, it used to be three to five years. Now they're looking at shorter. Now, I think that's a short-term thing given you know where we are with the, the economics and everything. But another thing that we have here, I'm not sure if you have in, in, in Canada, is a cost segregation study, which... So you're not as reliant on the 1031 as well. You know, if I buy, a, you know, if I sell a property and we the 1031 doesn't work out, but we can, we can do a co- you know, buy another one, get a cost seg study. And, and that's going to be going right now we have a hundred percent, but next year it'll be 80% the year after that uh, 60 and, and continue to go, go down. So that's another great benefit that we have here in the States.
1: Yeah, I mean, we have capital cost allowance, which allows for depreciation, but not in the same way as you have with the cost segregation and bonus depreciation and things like that in the US. So, yeah, there is some differences, but and I appreciate that when I because I have a, a tax structure that that allows me to invest in the U S without having a double taxation penalty, which one is one of the things that you have to watch out for when you're investing in the U S as a Canadian, because uh, it could, it could be very onerous. Imagine you get taxed, you know, in the U S and then on the same dollar you get taxed again, uh, like by the Canadian government sucks. So, you know, that, that's one of the things that you have to watch out for too, but yeah, you do have that benefit and additional deductions in the U S that I think are 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 very beneficial for investing in in real estate but don't get me wrong we do have those tax benefits they're just not the the same as as it is in the US but they are still much better than what you would be taxed income wise or dividend wise in, in in the US the capital gains is the lowest tax rate right so and there's also other Avenues for you to offset your gains in a corporation with with losses. So there are other ways to do it. I'm not a tax professional. I I'm just an investor. So you better you know talk to your accountant about that. But but you need to have a cross border specialist when you're looking at some when you're trying to invest in the U S.
0: And, and the way I understand it, the key thing is, you know, if if you're out of the country, you need to have a, a U.S. entity, an, L- an LLC yeah. or the like, and this way that gets taxed and, and there's holdback and whatnot.
1: Yeah, it's actually an LP. It used to be an LLC, but the tax rules changed a few years ago and people are still Telling Canadians that they have to use an LLC, but it doesn't work and they will get double tax. So you, you have to have a structure with a an LP with the GP as an LLC and it may be like just like a half a percent ownership. And then the rest could be a, another corporation as the LP and that avoids the double taxation keeps your liability uh, in check and then also gives you the, the benefits and, and avoids all of those the things you don't want. Again, I'm not a, a lawyer either. So you talk to your lawyer
0: about that too. <laughs> Absolutely. Disclaimer noted. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're if you're in the US, are there benefits in investing in, in Canada?
1: Well, you you see, there's a. (laughs) So the reason why I invest in the US, I I have a a large portfolio in Canada. And the reason why I invest in, in the US is because of. I, I want to have hedging against the Canadian dollar through the U.S. Uh, uh, economy and the U.S. dollar. It's also a risk because you have fluctuations in in the currency, which again can, like, you know, we were in two thousand and nine, we were equivalent in currency, and now we're back to like one twenty seven. For a U.S. dollar, so that's a twenty-seven percent difference. That affects your returns too when you're bringing money uh, across. So the reason why I invest in the U.S. because of that, and also because I can get U.S. dollars, and we enjoy going to the places where we have investment properties. So it, it helps us to to write those off against the income that we're getting. So it's it, it's 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 a little different. If you're somebody who's going to be coming to Canada a lot, I think that there's some benefit to doing that for sure. And also from a hedging perspective, not having all your your wealth in one currency is also, I think, beneficial to you, but it has to be part of your overall plan for sure. From a returns perspective, I can get higher returns in Canada with the investments that I do than than I can get in the US. But from a... After taxes, the returns are actually better in the U.S. than they they can be in Canada. So, like it's like it's a give and take, right? For a U.S. citizen to invest in Canada, I would say like there are 37 million people in Canada, and there's probably about 329 million in the U.S. Like you're you're going from a like. <laughs> A, a, like a steamship to like a, a yacht, right? You you, you really want to like a small, like a really small boat. So you you want to be careful when you're doing that. I think that there are other places around the world that you may want to invest in as well, and you should investigate that. Also, um, lending is challenging. So, like for me as a Canadian, investing in the US is a real pain in the butt. It's easier for me to have a, a GPLP type of structure where the GP is getting the financing done and uh just because i don't have to worry about the the financing on those on um, different projects and that's one of the the challenges it'll be the same when a, an american comes to canada and and looks at financing because like there are really five major banks in canada that have 85% of the market in the us there's like Thousands and thousands of banks, right? And um, that's one of the challenges again that Americans will face coming to Canada. But if you can, if you can overcome those, I think that there are some good benefits to it. You just have to make sure that it is it, part of a, a larger overall plan. That's all.
0: And we kind of veered off to the Canada and U.S. differences, but let's head back to the you know rent controlled. So, yep. do you do a lot of cash for keys? So here I'm in L.A. and actually yep. they have zero rent growth. For 2022, which is which is mind-boggling, but but do you, do you do cash for keys, and you know what kind of ways do you, you know, obviously you you want to get that max bump, so you need you need renters to leave your property so you can get you know new ones. Talk about that.
1: Yeah. So and ours was the same last year, 2021. It was zero zero percent because of you know the pandemic related controls, but. So yes, I do different different sorts of methods. So I've written two property management books on managing property in can- in Ontario specifically. So I'm very aware of what I can do and what I can't do. I don't play in the gray area, but I am somebody who looks to uh, pay for tenants to leave, um, especially when other people are aren't willing to do it because they're you know they think that it's my property and I shouldn't have to do it. And they're, great, good for you. I'm going to do it, and I'm going to. You know, take the extra hundred thousand in value that I create for it, right? And so, yes, cash for keys. I also work on turning over problem tenants, especially those who have been there for a long time. We work diligently through the system in order to to, to move those tenants along. There are other things that we, we we've been able to do to help us to do that. Large renovations, changing changing the use of the property. Just there's there's a number of things depending on how uh, what's necessary to make it make it happen. I mean, the the sad thing is, is all I'm trying to do is create better rental properties, you know, and more of them for more people to make it like uh, to, because as, as we, you know, do well with these properties, more people want to invest and we're able to do, uh, you know, get, get more properties and grow and actually add to the rental pool rather than do anything else. But, I mean, yeah, it's it's a challenge, but yes, I, I definitely have a, a number of strategies that I use to be able to do that.
0: And is, is Canada as a, as a country rent controlled or just, you know, different provinces like like
1: a province? Oh. Yeah. So like uh, Alberta is like Texas and like, uh, <laughs> uh and uh, Ontario is like California, So <laughs> California and New York, maybe a bit of a mix. I don't know, right. <laughs> but yeah, it, yeah, it's very
0: different. Well, excellent. I think uh, one last question we have, we ask all of our guests is what is your asset management superpower?
1: I want to say that my asset management superpower is definitely doing the uh, repositioning of assets in rent controlled environments. If I, I w- wasn't able to do that, I was wouldn't be able to get the, the returns that I've been able to do and and have the partners that I've had for as, as long as I've as I had them.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Quinn, for coming on the show and adding value on the subject of repositioning rent control apartments and talking about the differences between investing in Canada versus the States. Please tell listeners where they can find out more about you.
1: Sure. I'd love to go into more about the Canada versus U.S. thing because there's a lot more to it. Anyways, uh, you can get me at uh, my podcast, which I've just started recently, GetRealWealthy.com. It's the best place. And if you there's also a scoring system. So the scoring system that I use to identify property opportunities is there. You can grab that. So uh, GetRealWealthy.com or you can email me at Quinton at GetRealWealthy.com or on social media, Qman REI, on uh, Instagram, Twitter, all of those things.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Thank you. To all of our listeners out there, thanks for listening in. And if you like this episode, please head over to iTunes or Stitcher and like, subscribe, and review this podcast as it will help us grow our audience and reach more people. And if you'd like to learn more about what we do, head over to breakofdaycapital.com and sign up for our newsletter and get on our investor list. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Hey everyone, if you like what you hear on my podcast and wanna learn more, check out my Amazon best-selling book, Best in Class, How to Manage Your Multifamily Asset, Avoid Mistakes and Build Wealth Through Real Estate. And if you wanna take your learning to a whole nother level, register for my asset management course available on assetmanagementmastery.com. I'll share all the things that we do and many of our resources to help you become a best in class operator. Go to AssetManagementMastery.com and step up your game today.